31st episode of the material analysis podcast it is me your host sandhu and with me is comrade dilip today we are going to discuss the reemergence of uh, the pandemic in india as the second wave as you might be aware um, there has been a sudden spurt a huge spurt sudden spurt in active cases and in covid related deaths um since april started april 2021 um the episode is i mean people in india would be more or less aware of what we are talking about and even then we are going to recap recent events and basically the episode would be good for um anybody who is not an indian and who might be curious about what is actually going on in india because a lot of things are going on at the same times they are all complex and related to each other and uh, why things are as bad as they are there are many reasons for that this is not random so dilip how do you want to start about it do you want to talk about how things were a little while back like how did we reach this phase especially considering that active cases were decreasing from the peak of august 2020 to february 2020 when we more or less saw a steady decrease in cases from around 90000 a day to like around less than 9000 a day and then we see this sudden spike where the cases go from 9000 a day to currently more than 300000 a day so all all in the space of less than 2 months so what happened what what set up this situation with regards to the cases of course they were going down um, pretty much for a while and the past at least a month has been quite dramatic in, in terms of increase in cases right so this disaster uh, let's say in terms of uh, the crisis that we are facing uh, right now uh, with regards to the healthcare crisis in india and covid it's something both uh, specific and also institutional failures over a number of years in my opinion so uh, i think for instance when you take uh, the case of lack of oxygen supply and that uh, is something which is very specific uh, to the failure of the uh, modi government to anticipate and to also proactively you know sort of uh, combat and mitigate uh, these crisis scenarios uh, during the pandemic so they took almost uh, more than half a year 6 to 8 months to commission uh, these uh, oxygen plants which are of course uh, absolutely inevitable uh, as a process to combat uh, uh, this pandemic and then they also uh, didn't actually anticipate the amount of demand and there are a lot of complexities together with it right so they they should have planned for the logistics because when you talk about oxygen it's also about how the oxygen can be supplied to various different parts of india geographically not all the plants are located uh, in the same place they could have also thought about uh, revamping the uh, public infrastructure or the public uh, hospitals in india uh, which they didn't do uh, the modi government has consistently cut funding for uh, 
the uh, government hospitals over the years and you see that is also getting uh, reflected in uh, what is happening right now so there is a huge uh, scarcity of oxygen supply right now the metric tons that we actually produce uh, is way less than uh, what would be needed to actually combat the crisis given the number of cases uh, every day so that's one part of the uh, important issue and the other issue is of course uh, the vaccine so what's your take on vaccines and how india handled the whole uh, scenario of vaccines actually before we move on to vaccines let us talk a bit about the oxygen crisis so for our audience who might not be aware of what's going on most of the deaths which are happening in india right now are because people are not able to find icu beds intensive care units beds they are not able to get oxygen so the number of people who require oxygen is so much that in most of the metropolitan cities in india there has been a complete failure in oxygen supplies like most major hospitals they at any given time have oxygen right now the load is so much they have oxygen left for 2 3 hours more and when the oxygen doesn't come dozens of people in a hospital will die these are people who did not need to die like these are people who are not dying because of covid per se they are dying because oxygen is not there this has gone to a point that on one hand industrial oxygen production is completely being diverted for medical usage by court orders and um this is a, an infrastructural failure a failure to not anticipate what will happen if a large number of people suddenly needed hospital beds or oxygen cylinders uh, uh this is a problem that we are aware from at least 4 years because dilip if you would remember 4 years back um since 4 years back actually it's been happening for a long time but media attention started 4 years back uh, when a bunch of children in gorakhpur uh, died because of oxygen not being present uh, uh, 2017 uh, uh, 1317 children had died in one hospital and uh, 63 children died in a single night when that hospital's oxygen supply ran out this brought the whole case into national attention but it wasn't that this wasn't happening like that year 1300 children died but in previous years as as many as 5800 children had died in 2014 6900 children in 2015 etc etc so this this thing mass death of children because of failure of the state to make certain that hospitals in their jurisdictions had adequate oxygen and adequate beds this is a structural like this is a like a very common problem india has had it's now that because of covid because all these people needed hospital beds that we finally are seeing the scope of the disaster um what has happened is that Uh, states individual states have started to scramble for oxygen in this panic uh, entire uh, trucks full of oxygen 
were prevented by the police of one state to enter into the border of another state like these confusions happened in the delhi noida border um two three days back uh, many hundreds of people dying and are simply because they could not breathe anymore so that Samod, oxygen Samod, thing just 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 to interrupt briefly uh, you here before you continue uh, along with this just to emphasize one point during uh, the gorakhpur deaths uh, for people who might not be aware of this uh, outside india there was uh, a doctor named kafil uh, khan who actually uh, did uh, try to procure oxygen uh, by himself he, he was working in fact in the hospital and then uh, he did pro- try to procure uh, oxygen by himself and he did try to help the patients by himself and then he also communicated Uh, the lack of uh, oxygen supply uh, to the outside world and uh, the up government the uh, the, uh, the uttar pradesh government which is uh, uh, ruled by uh, someone called as yogi adityanath who is really well to the far to the right of even uh, narendra modi actually uh, incarcerated uh, kafil khan and then uh, literally uh, let's say harassed him over a long uh, period of time so that is uh, that was the price that the up government uh, the uttar pradesh government actually gave to let's say a whistle blower and a, a doctor who tried to combat uh, this issue early on so yeah uh, he move. he had he has been arrested multiple times after that as well see that the way the state works in india and you have to understand this that if you are a whistle blower of any kind you will be hounded and you will be arrested and they will try to portray you as a traitor like the very act of you know talking about these things is seditious in the eyes of the indian state especially in that particular state where the government is essentially uh, run by a fascist criminal nexus uh, by the way i made one error i said 63 children in one night sorry it was one week not one night so that was an error i made but essentially this oxygen fiasco has been a permanent part of the lack of infrastructure in the indian medical public health care thing but what the covid uh, spike did was that it brought this problem into the forefront when you have thousands of people needing oxygen cylinders and oxygen not being present and and thousands of people dying so over the last couple of days we have had like thousands of death a night Uh, due to covid i am going to um, bring you some numbers so uh, daily deaths right now in india have crossed 2000 uh, it was as low as like 70 80 in february mid over the last couple of days it has been around 2000 a night and a lot of these deaths are happening in the major metropolitan cities of the country delhi bangalore bombay um, especially bombay because bombay had a lot of covid cases and as we when we'll talk later about politics um, we'll tell you about how like the government of maharashtra not being the same um, government as the central government has been hobbled at of every step to procure things now let us actually talk about the vaccine scenario in india and how that 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 has been that has been working out just so, just before we move on i just wanted to add one uh, more thing because i was talking uh, to somebody who asked me like uh, you guys talk a lot about uh, the crisis with regards to oxygen and this isn't it simply simply something that comes out of a 
tap in a hospital is what somebody asked me. So, but a lot of people don't know that, uh, let's say the uh, sort of uh, in-situ or uh, units that are close to or attached to uh, the hospitals, let's say the PSA units are not uh, really uh, common uh, in India. What actually happens is that you have the oxygen getting transported through uh, cylinders and then reaching the hospitals, right? Which means that the logistics of transportation and where the plants which manufacture oxygen is located and where the need is and how you transport. And then you have to also take into account storage and all these issues are bundled uh, together, which means like these are issues that are already intense during normal times, but during pandemic, it requires like a coordination uh, like never before. So those are things like people uh, might, uh, let's say, uh, not notice when they are not in uh, uh, India, when they are, uh, uh, um, let's say, somewhere else. But these are issues that are really playing out and all these logistics and transportation are contributing a lot more uh, to the crisis that is unfolding right now. So moving on to vaccines. Yeah. So, okay, let's talk about how vaccines are made. So the world's largest vaccine maker is the Serum Institute of India. And not just India's largest, the world's largest. So like not just India, but many countries are dependent on this particular organization to get vaccines, including countries like United Kingdom, where like SII has promised a bunch of vaccines, right? Uh, now, what has happened is that SII seems to have, what at this point it, it looks like, it seems to have massively overstated its capacity like at some point in the past they were promising a hundred million doses you know for developing countries this did not happen um, somewhere around like last year mid last year SII began its trials it partnered with another Indian company Bharat Biotech and uh, it got a lot of money and basically SII and Bharat Biotech have the full monopoly on the production of vaccines. What are these vaccines? One is called Covishield, which is, uh, 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 which is basically the AstraZeneca's uh, max, uh, vaccine, the AstraZeneca one which came out of University of Oxford. Uh, uh, another vaccine is called Covaxin. Um, it is developed by Bharat Biotech, which I just mentioned, uh, it's a completely domestically produced vaccine in India, right? So these are like the two major vaccines which uh, uh, which were going to be the mainstay of vaccination in India and also in a lot of other countries, like there were export agreements and such. And uh, when it became apparent in April that these numbers are not going to be arrived at, then they started to import a third vaccine, Sputnik V, which is uh, which is uh, uh, which is from Russia. I think. So it's a it's a Russian vaccine uh, uh, produced by the Gamaleya Research Institute of Epidemiology and Microbiology. There is another vaccine which is right now under testing by the SII, which is Covovax. Covovax. Uh, uh, it's still not approved yet, uh, so it will take some time. It will get approved by uh, uh, by September, I believe. That is the timeline. Now, Covishield and Covaxin uh, are in use, 
uh, in India, they started to vaccinate everybody above 45 years of age before the spike started. And when they started to vaccinate, they realized that, well, you know, the 500 million doses of Covishield they had ordered, the 10 million doses of Covaxin they had ordered, they are nowhere near that. At that time, they ended up ordering 100 million doses of Sputnik. So, uh, what is the what is the scenario right now? Uh, the scenario is that uh, uh, they started the vaccination in mid January. So there has been time. There, like since the vaccination has started, more than a hundred days have passed, right? And um, the goal was that by March one they would uh, they would vaccinate 30 million people that was their goal they ended up vaccinating only 14 million people so like less than half of how many they had planned for and uh, they, these are not like fully vaccinated people i'm talking about like uh, one dose so uh, fully vaccinated people uh, uh, by march was like less than 5 million and by now by april uh, 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 we have reached around uh, uh, 20 million people fully vaccinated and around like 100 million 100 and something million people uh, vaccinated with one dose these numbers are way lower than the numbers they had predicted they would get to april so uh, so this was supposed to be phase one and now and now what happened was that uh, they are lacking in vaccine vials this the, the way they rationed the vaccines was also incorrect according to a lot of policy people now according to certain policy people they should have created reserves and they should have uh, rationed accordingly but they didn't do that they just rationed according to a priority basis um, that didn't work out because large portions of the population did not get vaccines and also it was not very distributed according to where the cases were high so like i told you before in maharashtra where the city of bombay is the cases were really high and hence what should have happened is that this region should have gotten a larger share of the quota but they didn't because they did not plan well the rationing. And so what happened is places which needed larger, larger amounts of vaccinations did not get it. Now, technically, all of this should have been done in a much more federal fashion. There should have been much more input from the states in how much oxygen quotas are needed, in how much vaccines are needed, depending on the local disease scenario. That didn't happen because the center wanted to do everything by itself, it completely failed the planning of it. And, and the idea was to you know keep it as market oriented as possible. So for example, instead of the state saying that, you know what, we will start to produce uh, vaccines ourselves by converting production facilities of like your normal flu stuff into this vaccine stuff, uh, the, the, the strategy seems to have been 
that let these two one firm rather because like bharat biotech is this very junior partner in this let sii do everything by itself and sii is a private company right and when that didn't work throw more money at sii and get it to expand its facilities now multiple things are happening here there is a massive shortage of the vaccines and while that is happening the government has announced the central government has announced that from 1st may um anybody who is an adult who is above 18 can get the vaccine now where they are going to get the capacity to get like you know get everybody above 18 vaccinated is the question because right now if you look at the states the percentage of people fully vaccinated and let's talk about the states which have the highest uh, covids running you have delhi where uh, the city of delhi where only 2.7% people have been vaccinated you have maharashtra where i just told you like you know it, among the states it has the largest uh, number of people suffering uh, only 0.8% of people in maharashtra have been vaccinated and somehow they want from a first of uh, may like within like a week they will open the vaccine to everybody every adult i do not think they are remotely close to the material reality or any kind of strategy here because what will happen when uh, when they open it to everybody is that people who do not need the vaccine people who are not as vulnerable will get the vaccine and those who are vulnerable will not get it opening it up when you have no production capacity to match makes absolutely no sense but like what do we know we are not experts but this is what it looks like right now that we are going from disaster to disaster another point to be noted here is that it's not clear right now um what is the relationship of the vaccine production to international treaties so for example remember i said there's a fourth vaccine covovax which is supposed to be like you know come later and like fill up the gaps so to give an example they have ordered like total orders all over the world for covid shield is 500 million total orders all over the world for covovax is 1 billion which is really weird considering covovax hasn't even got approval yet not in india not in america from the feds right so covovax is supposed to be made but then the the ceo of sii this company which is supposed to make all these vaccines he mentioned in an interview that covovax is facing hurdles because of like us not allowing exports of certain raw materials which by us laws need to first go to their internal manufacturer so there is like vaccine nationalism happening here and um we are not certain that like whether this problem also exists with covid shield so in another interview adar punawala who is the head of sii claimed that there is no problem with covid shield production at least the us factor is not relevant so is it relevant or is it not relevant is like the messaging from sii and its ceo has been terrible and even if it were not relevant we would need covax at some point so america really needs to stop doing what it's doing it needs to release 
the exports it needs to let people have the patents on these vaccines yeah. so that various companies all over the world can produce them at the rate they are needed and not at like the trickling rate uh, which is uh, which is happening right now but uh, coming coming back to coming back to the point uh, another point is that uh, SIA is making a ton of money so like i said they basically have a monopoly on making this vaccine right and they are charging they are charging the indian state uh, a lot like more than market value uh, they are charging the state governments more money than they are charging the indian state so this has made the state governments which like i have already told the audience is being uh, basically uh, hobbled by the central government and there is no coordination between the state governments and the central government because the central government is not listening to advice from the local state governments where the disease is really high so if if they sell the vaccine to the central and the state government at different prices the state governments are already stretched of funds so how is it possible that you know sir now the ideal scenario is that the state governments buy the as many vaccines as required and then give it to the people for free because if they don't give it to the people for free uh, well people who have money will be able to buy it but again vast amounts of people who are vulnerable will not be able to buy it and after especially after may 1 when they will open the vaccines for everybody so basically young rich people will get the vaccines old poor people will not who like probably need the vaccine the most and um adar punawala did not really help his public image when i think he said in an interview that you know um sii is really struggling this time we have just made profits and not super profits i don't know what that means but whatever that means that that statement like has not gone down well with the public like comrade dilip do you now want to talk about all of this circus around the vaccines that is happening just to put stuff in a nutshell so what we are encountering both on the international context as well as the national context is like really the heightened issues of neoliberalism that has been happening over a lot of uh, decades actually so for instance the refusal to even suspend the patents on the vaccines from uh, so many different countries in uh, what happened in uh, the world trade organizations with uh, the countries objecting to a waiver uh, to the trips uh, agreement so that that is something really the key here because i think uh, all over uh, the all the uh, european union countries if i remember right as well as the uk objected to this uh, proposal to the uh, waiving of the provisions of uh, trips agreement which is the global treaty uh, governing international property rights so that's that's happening in one hand and then we saw reports of uh, biden talking about how trump was uh, doing this sort of disgusting uh, vaccine isolationism vaccine uh, nationalism from uh, uh, from the past and then biden going on to doing the same thing uh, supporting the pharmaceutical companies rights to make uh, billions in profits so and then putting their profits in priority over the lives of uh, people and especially the people in uh, global south so that's happening and it's completely unclear how they would facilitate the uh, uh, let's say the export of raw materials that is needed for the uh, vaccine it's completely unclear if indeed 
they have made a decision on waiving the uh, or uh, supporting the waiver of the uh, provision in TRIPS. So it's completely unclear what uh, the US president is thinking right now because all we read from the important uh, magazines is that he is contemplating, he is thinking, they are trying to decide. It's they I don't have know. completely refused on the raw material bit like this. Like the State they, Department they... has yeah. Okay, like, I thought outright, like... outright. No, no, no. I, we, they are still wavering on the patents and all, but the the raw material stuff was a complete no. In fact, they okay. said something like uh, America's responsibility is to like vaccinate Americans first. The world will also be glad if Americans are vaccinated, something like that, which was a very funny statement. Like, you know, yeah. the world should also care about America first. And I was like, surely you don't mean what you are saying, right? So, <laughs> uh, I mean, like, uh, some sort so, of a yeah. joke that is playing uh, again and again because we have seen this the same kind of but, scenario. But again, like, like, just to like make it absolutely clear, by Adar Poonawala's own words, because he's saying that it's the future vaccine which is affected by all the American stuff, the current vaccine isn't, then why are you not producing more of the current vaccine? Because I think he has reached the degree of capacity SII could produce, and he has been grifting people <laughs> with those bloated numbers uh, to get all the money from all the, you know, the, all the deals. And he's like selling the vaccine at a super inflated prices. So it seems like that. I'm not accusing Adar Punawala of basically being a price gouger in a worldwide pandemic. But sir, you need to like be more clear in your public statements because right now your public messaging leads itself to an interpretation that you, sir, are a price gouger. Yeah, I mean like at least I don't have any doubt in my mind uh, what's actually happening right now because in in okay that's happening in the international context and in the national context just to re-emphasize what comrade said here they have basically shifted the burden uh, not if not entirely almost uh, at least half of the burden uh, to the already really stretched state's budget and now uh, selling vaccines at a price of uh, 600 rupees, which I don't know how it translates into dollars, almost as costly as it is anywhere else in the world. And it's no, really... no, it's more costly. Oh, it's more costly. If we, they, it's costlier than anywhere else in the world. It's costlier than it's being sold in the developed West, which makes absolutely no sense. Yeah, but Adar Punawala can get away with it because he has a monopoly. He can sell things at yeah. whatever price he wants to, whoever. Like he he controls the world at this point. So. <laughs> yeah, welcome to the neoliberal hell where uh, in India you sell the vaccine at a price uh, higher than actually uh, what it is sold in the developed world, which all it, it just means that it kind of deepens the inequality already existing, right? So the inequality between countries on uh, and how the patents are protected and inequality within the countries where uh, you see that where you price the vaccine at such high cost, it's inevitably going to be translated into uh, people, as my comrade explained, people younger and with relatively a lot of money having a preference or having the privilege to get vaccinated over people who are actually more uh, vulnerable and who would indeed need a complete free vaccination program. So that's where it is at right now, where India is not providing a complete free vaccination program, which is really abdicating one of the most basic duties of the state, I would say. All right. 
ओके बट टिल नाउ टिल नाउ वॉट वी है डिस्कस टिल नाउ दिस कुड हैपन इन एनी न्यूलिबरल हेल्थ राइट वी हैव टॉक्ट अबाउट इंफ्रास्ट्रक्चरल फेलियर बिकॉज ऑफ डेकेट्स ऑफ नेग्लेक्ट ऑफ पब्लिक हेल्थ वी हैव टॉक्ट अबाउट पीपल डाइंग बिकॉज दे डोंट हैव ऑक्सीजन टू ब्रीज वी हैव टॉक्ट अबाउट थाउजेंड्स ऑफ पीपल डाइंग एवरी नाइट वी हैव टॉक्ट अबाउट दिस वैक्सीन हेल्थ नॉट एन ऑफ वैक्सीनेशन बैड पॉलिसी मेकिंग बैड राशनिंग rationing in some sort of greedy algorithm fashion opening up the doors on may 1 there is no model to like uh, give the vaccines for free i don't know if they, like different states have different policies in india like so couple of states have declared they will give all the vaccines for free most states haven't and i don't know even if these states will have enough vaccines for this question to even matter right but all of this is capitalist hell but now let us talk a bit about the fascism that is specifically indian in character and yes. which has helped create so first let us talk about what has been happening for a while when the cases were low as you know when the cases were low and we have discussed this massive farmers protests were happening and they were happening because of the policies of the indian government we are not going to go into whether those policies were good or bad but the way they were implemented the protests were going to happen there was no other way around it right we have in past episodes talked about the farmers protests and how complex they were uh, but after that large gathering of people which the government did absolutely no attempts to engage with which they should have done if not for any other reason than the fact there is a pandemic going on and there should not be a large gathering of people but the government had at that time it just responded via repression it tried to lathi charge these people it tried to jail as many as possible etc etc standard playbook of the current indian government but then comes an even larger crowd the kumbh mela for those of our audience who have no idea what the kumbh mela is oh, it is yeah. uh, it is a i'm going to talk a bit about this actually it is a it is a festival which happens every so years in india and, and every so years there is a large one right it's a, it's a very famous and a very widely attended festival now this festival let's put it this way there is a lot of identity mongering happening with the current government which as you know is a hindu nationalist government and its attempt to appropriate every single hindu festival Uh, to sort of make it an issue of hindu pride right and it does that very cynically so for example if the kumbh mela had just been a religious thing it wouldn't even have happened this year it would have happened the next year because the big ones they are 12 years apart so the next one was scheduled for 2022 the government of course decided that it will do it this year why because it was doing a lot of other hindu nationalist things it had got Uh, you know we have talked about the babri thing um, the babri demolition which is described in a previous episode which was basically the same party many years back many decades back uh, illegally demolishing a muslim place of worship because they want to erect a hindu place of worship there then the courts basically justified what had happened by quitting everybody recently last year right basically they got away with it and this was the whole piece of violence which propelled the fascists into power 
it happened in the 90s and this was what made them relevant now the whole ayodhya thing the 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 location the geographic location of that incident is in the state of uttar pradesh which we have talked about that it is a it is even a more right wing state than india which is currently ruled by a fascist party um uttar pradesh is like ridiculously like part fascist past criminal nexus of the government like uh, one of the things is that when the when the government of uttar pradesh came into power the first act they did was arm twist the local magistrates and the courts into taking back thousands of cases which were against the politicians of the same group of people who came into power including the chief minister all right so ayodhya that that place geographically is in uttar pradesh the kumbh mela the festival i'm talking about also happens in uttar pradesh so this is a place of extreme virulent hindu nationalism of ethno fascism etc and they had to appropriate the festival the festival is extremely important to the hindu faith uh, in the 2000 like in the previous kumbh melas uh, easily 30 million to 50 million people attend so you know uh, uh, this one this particular one was supposed to happen next year the haridwar kumbh mela it was scheduled for uh next year but it happened this year easily a million people went there medical workers tested more than 200000 people over a five day period so that is the lower end of the number 236000 to a million these many people physically huddled together at the same space compare this to the farmers protest which by the way were uh, you know not just being violently uh, uh, um, um, uh, violently stopped and beaten by the government but also like in the at the propaganda level you know they were talking about that oh you know the farmers do not care about the health of the country uh, uh, covid etc uh, compare that with this thing which was actually promoted and uh, enabled and advertised by the government in the middle of a pandemic uh, naturally uh, when medical workers tested 236000 people even at that very surface level testing they found 1700 positive cases and after the mela was over after the festival was over these uh people they went back to their cities oh by the way i was wrong the total number of people is not estimated at 1 million it is estimated at 5 million i am i am incorrect please 5 million people there were at least 48 lakh people or 4.8 million people who were and the last two uh, bathing in the river occasion so 5 million people all trying to bathe in the same river in the middle of a pandemic just think about that uh, last year a bunch of muslim um, uh, pilgrims had gathered like a few thousand of them i believe and uh, this incident was uh, let's just say used for all it is worth by the wherein an entire religion an entire community was demonized because of some people dog whistling was done massive media campaign was done to demonize that religion 
so in that incident uh, in 2020 there were uh, march 2020 so one year back there were a couple of thousand people who had congregated uh, the number which was 9000 people around had congregated and this had become into a huge case nationally compare that with the kumbh mela incident which had like almost 5 million people and yet was a thing which was uh, promoted by the government i'm trying to illustrate the uh, nature of a fascist state which constantly needs scapegoats to uh, ex plain away national disasters like like a pandemic now because of this kumbh mela because of the farmers protest before that and then there was another reason for a large number of people gathering the elections a lot of state elections are happening and in all of these state elections the bjp the party which rules the center in india really wants to win especially because there are two states where the bjp has traditionally never been able to make a foothold one is bengal one is kerala in kerala they don't have a chance but in bengal they do have a chance if not to win then at least to become the official opposition for the first time which is remarkable considering the last state assembly they had as little as two seats this time they are well let's like we certainly hope they lose but even if they lose they will end up getting like 80 to 100 seats so they really want bengal they are having rally after mass rally there with tens of thousands of people attending no masks in sight even the home minister of the country the the leader of the bjp party he is leading these uh, marches and sometimes the prime minister has also gone modi has also gone he is leading these mar- marches they are giving these public speeches and they don't care if the these tens of thousands of their supporters who are like trooping all around the city whether they have masks whether they have any hygiene nothing none of that so multiple states in india the central government the party which rules the central government has made it a mission that these elections have to be won by them at any cost whether or not people die it doesn't matter in some of these states some of the local state parties like in bengal uh, both the communist communists and the trinamool congress these two parties which have traditionally contended the bengali elections both these parties announced at one point or another that you know what because covid is increasing such we'll cancel all our political rallies and stuff similarly the congress which is the national opposition party which which is playing some part in some of these elections in various states the congress leader said we are going to cancel all our rallies but the bjp kept doing these huge rallies and they are still doing them they officially said they will stop doing them but they have not stopped and the election commission of india has been looking the other way after going through like the economic aspects of the disaster in india i have gone through why what was like the social aspect the political aspect why were there these huge crowds of people millions of people gathering and this these were the trigger incidents which led to this sudden spike so comrade dilip what do you want to say about these things of course the ruling party went absolutely berserk and they were also as you have de- explained in detail uh, the stuff with kumbh mela is absolutely insane i don't think any other country uh, would have allowed such complete insanity okay 
couple of more important points just to add uh, with regards to everything we were talking about, the repression during farmer uh, protest and so on. It's also important to notice that the Modi government has been arresting a lot of activists over a period of time and then jailing them simply, mostly in fabricated charges. And in some cases, already we are seeing a clear categorical evidence coming out in how these intellectuals, activists are getting arrested and uh, the charges are being fabricated by the government. And a few of them have also contacted uh, contracted COVID while they were uh, inside uh, jail. So that's also happening uh, and that's also playing out uh, during the situation. And the other thing that I just want to emphasize is that the economic aspect and the crisis that has hit uh, especially the migrant workers and everybody else during the COVID situation and how this government simply hasn't done anything adequate to address that is also very clear. I think the Center for Monitoring Indian Economy estimates almost 10.72 uh, million jobs have been lost and most of them are being salaried uh, job losses. Also, we are talking about half a billion people in informal sector. So. We are also talking about people taking up jobs which are not providing them as much, but they are still being recorded as uh, being employed, but they are getting, let's say, a reduction in their salaries over a, a period of time. And then we are also seeing that how the government and even policy, uh, let's say the, the policy wings such as Niti Aayog suggesting reduction in uh, public distribution system, reduction in distribution of uh, grains instead of actually universalizing these things, instead of actually increasing uh, the uh, supply uh, towards all uh, quarter of the population. And we haven't had any significant cash transfers either over uh, this uh, whole COVID period. So all these things are really very gloomy and how this government in particular has um, taken charge of COVID and how they have actually handled COVID is really unmitigated disaster. Part of it is India's institutional failures, which have been built over decades due to lack of public funding uh, of uh, healthcare and uh, so on. But especially, uh, you know, this particular fascist government has really deepened the crisis and they are massively responsible on so many fronts, uh, both due to their uh, sociopathic nature and also due to their clear incompetence with regards to how they have handled uh, the uh, oxygen uh, crisis, how they have exacerbated the vaccine crisis and uh, how they have actually not had any plan to revive the Indian economy, not have any plans to people who have suffered massive job losses. So that's all uh, from my side in summarizing the situation where we are now. I, I do not want to like throw death toll and disease toll figures at people, but there have been a lot of journalists doing a lot of good work and what they are doing is looking at the um, uh, crematoriums and, you know, places where the dead are burnt uh, to see how the numbers fare against the official figures. And right now, uh, it seems that there is a 20x to 100x difference in what the crematoriums are reporting and what the official figures is. There are crematoriums all over the country which are loaded to capacity. People are being burnt, like the dead bodies are being burnt, not inside the ovens of the crematorium, but like on the road outside the crematorium, on the footpath, multiple dead bodies are stacked and burnt all over the country in various cities. 
So you have to keep in mind the scale of the human disaster that is happening. Officially, if we go by official figures, thousands of people are dying every day. If we go by crematorium figures, if we go by investigative journalism, there is a 20x to 100x difference from what they are seeing, which means that we may have a death toll which easily exceeds the like the the highest death toll in the world right now, which is in United States. At that point, the question arises, how can people help? And we would like our audience to help out. One thing you can do is force your ask your beseech your media organizations to look at what's happening in India, to look at what's happening in the crematoriums, to look at what's happening in the policy, to look at what SII and Adar Punawala is doing, to basically shine a light on what the Indian state is doing. There is a lot of horrible stuff happening and just bringing it to light and talking about it in the in other countries will help people in India because what we have seen is the Indian state is extremely sensitive to criticism and it arrests under sedition charges uh, people in India who speak about these things. If reputed press organizations cover it, this, uh, this what is happening in the country, it would, it would really help. Another thing that will help is that since this whole, since the death toll really spiked and the cases really went high, a lot of Indians are engaging in mutual aid. They are helping each other on Indian social media. If you go on Twitter, if you look at the Indian handles, right, you will see hundreds of thousands of Indians asking each other about leads on where they can get oxygen, uh, hundreds of uh, campaigns of raising funds. If you are from a wealthy country, if you are well off, consider amplifying those campaigns, consider donating to them. A lot of people, a lot of organizations are posting a lot of campaigns which are uh, getting people medicines, getting people beds in hospitals, getting people oxygen. Those resources could do with some funding from your end. It has been a pretty, let's say, uh, distressing period of time for people all over India. And uh, yeah, we hope by some way that uh, yeah, I can't say anything, man. Let's let's just end it. See, if you are Indian and if you are listening to this, we know that you are facing a lot of trouble. Uh, in my own family, nine people have COVID. Uh, multiple people are in ICUs. Friends of mine, family members, comrades. Um, everybody I know knows somebody who has died. Like, everybody I know knows somebody who has died. And I know people who have died. I know that people who are Indians and who are listening to this are going through a very tough time. Um, so we can't, we don't want to give any boilerplate bromides, you know, that things would be well on whatever because things are pretty bad, but we all need to help each other out and please take care of yourself. If you can't help yourself, you will not be able to help anybody else. So if you are like the least you can do is survive. You know, um, take care of your body, sleep and eat, try to, you know, talk to your friends, uh, try to uh, at least give mental uh, support to people who are around you. Because at this time in India, all we have is each other.
and we have to get through this.